as we fade in to the month of June. Here we are on Freightonomics. Zach Strickland, head of market intelligence. Anthony Smith, chief economist at Freightways, here to tell you what's going on with supply chain and world economics and just about anything we feel like talking about today. So welcome on this Thursday afternoon, June 8th. Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, we have a lot to get through. Of course, we have some stuff with uh, the ports that we talked about, of course, on Freightways Now. We have also something we kind of mentioned on Freightways Now, some of the LMI. So we got some Zach Rogers for you a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just going to be a great show. Yeah. So without further ado, uh, Anthony, I think we've had, you know, we had Memorial Day. We talked about it a little bit last week and it takes a minute for us to really understand what goes on uh the week of memorial day because disruptions occur for days around it and now we've had a full week for the market to digest so what do you say we give the people a uh is it a market in two quick market and two update you want to count me in let me know three two one go all right. First up, that OTVI, the measure of total truckload demand in the United States, contract-centric index here uh, for sure, but it measures total tenders from shipper to carrier. And this index came out hot from our seven-day moving average lull. Actually, we, we saw it happen during the little trough there where volumes actually jumped up that white line. And we rose back to the level we were in about 2020. And this was a pretty decent jump from beginning to the end of the period, about a 5.5% jump. Now, it's not the biggest in history, and it's certainly not something that we should overreact to because back in 2019, we had a 9% jump in tender volumes from beginning to the end. So hold on now, but it does look like we are seeing some pretty decent summer volumes moving through the system as of yet. Now, doesn't mean the capacity is feeling it in any really meaningful way. If we look at our next chart here, uh, the O-Try, and we see the O-Try, that white line there, still on the floor. We jumped up over 3% for a half minute uh, around Memorial Day, and then we fell all the way back to the ground. There is nothing there that tells me that we are going to see significant sustained spot market activity. doesn't mean that there's not some spot market activity out there right now, which there is, uh, specifically around Phoenix. Uh and the West Coast starting to show some stuff there. We'll talk about that here in a second. Now, let's go to the next chart. Speaking of spot rates, this is the NTIL. It measures spot rates uh, without the total cost of fuel. It did jump up after Memorial Day, but we're just about to where we were at the end of March. <laughs> so this is all relative here. In the near term, it looks like a decent jump, but it's leveling off here over the last few days. So, you know, we'll see how sustainable this is. Tender rejection rates don't really support this being a big deal. Let's go to the next chart here. And this is going to be the tidbit of the week. Regional rejection rates. Everything going down regionally outside of the West Coast there and the yellow line, West Coast rejection rates are the only ones showing significant increases. So I am, you know, I talked about Phoenix a little bit. I mentioned that in the spot rates, they are going up <laughs> and there's other Western areas that we're seeing some upward pressure on rates, um, you know, and the West coast seeing this increase in rejection rates where everywhere else is relatively stable is very interesting to me, Anthony. Yeah. These small pockets of activity. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I kind of, you know, we called out last year going into the summer was of course Christmas in July and then of course after that goes into back to school and then some pull forward for regional um I'm sorry retail activity going into Christmas months 
We haven't really heard too much talk about Christmas in July, Amazon Prime Day, what all the other retailers are looking to do to follow suit on some of those deals. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays, especially with the consumer that has continued credit card just usage spiking. You know, and we keep hearing about the consumers still spending, but they're spending largely on services, mm. you know, and that does support freight to an extent. It's not a direct correlation. But certainly, you know, one of the reasons we saw the OTVI come out hot is because Atlanta, Atlanta volumes are actually, you almost didn't even have Memorial Day down there in Atlanta, according to the tender volume index. And it's one of those things where, guess what people are doing right now? They're taking vacations. This is June. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, prices are still not going anywhere. They're still dropping, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But demand side indicators are showing some relative strength compared to where they were over the winter. Exactly right. And I mean, it's interesting. We're looking at, you know, where the, oh, I should also mention if you're watching on LinkedIn, we are streaming live right now. So if you want to jump in on the conversation, you have a hot take, you have some that you're seeing in the freight market that you want to call out, anything like that, jump into the conversation because I will be monitoring that, be a part of the show. But when we're looking at some of those consumer factors, so of course, everyone's going to be watching interest rate. That just affects everybody. Inflation affects everybody at this point in time right now. Um, we're also looking at the labor market. We got a lot of labor updates last week around unemployment rate, participation rate, uh, job numbers, things like that. Latest number from initial jobs claims showing a spike to, I think it was 261,000 today. Um, so I think that's the highest level since October 2021. And so we are seeing, and it's a volatile indicator. It's weekly, it can have swings, it can drop down to mid 200s, then go up to, you know, something crazy. But this is going to be one of those ones where like the continued trend is upward moving. And Although we are seeing it right now, I'm not that optimistic about overall employment trends in the second half of the year. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I think everybody has these mixed feelings, mixed signals coming from that employment data right now. Specifically, the Fed appears to be really reliant on that number being so historically good um, in relation to where things have been in the past. And I don't like you keep, I mean, I think we all have kind of this near term reference point that we're like, yeah, it's good but we're talking about where it's been recently and it's not great from where it's been recently but it's fantastic from where it's been historically right you know yeah and and i i you know and we're still in this state of transition you know we've talked about this several times uh we're not totally clear of the pandemic era transitioning and that's created a lot of noise out there so right. let's Go into, I want to do a couple of quick stories here and then get to Dr. Rogers and get that LMI update. So a few things I think we should check out and be mindful of. But the first two are maritime centric. Uh, Trans-Pacific spot container shipping rates are inching up. Both of these are Greg Miller articles. He does a phenomenal job of covering maritime. Definitely check these out. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. Uh, basically, spot rates inched up. For maritime, the latest general rate increase actually had some stickiness. So maritime spot rates having some upward movement doesn't mean that they're going to start shooting up. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about it in there that it's not necessarily something that is going to be a continued trend, but it does show that there is some level of capacity management going on by the maritime providers that is worth watching at the moment. And we also have the dock worker strike. <laughs> 
going on or, you know, you know, the negotiations is not a strike, <laughs> not yet, at least uh, going on. Uh, and he pulls out an article here that's eye opening. <laughs> I had no idea. Like and, and I know it's California, so yeah. you have to look at it through the lens of cost of living in California. But full time registered longshore workers earned an average of one hundred ninety seven thousand five hundred dollars in twenty twenty two. Yeah. And then you add on benefits. <laughs> they had another hundred thousand dollars of benefits tagged on to that that on average and i'm like and y'all want more yeah i know it's expensive though i, I would <laughs> i i have not done the math to kind of say cost of living yeah. and all this kind of stuff and they're and they're hard workers no doubt but this this looks like this you know take it for what it it's worth <laughs> you know this is a potential hang-up in that operation out there on the west coast that comes due in september yeah generally and I mean, when we're looking at this, the thing that comes to my mind is like whenever there is like someone that's negotiating a really high salary, I think, okay, they have done a ton of stuff to garner this salary. You know, the years they put into whatever type of roles leading up into this, the expertise and the difficulties that potentially would be to try to replace them, the skill set that comes with that. The other thing I think about is the timing and the positioning of it all together. And I can only imagine that the timing would have been much more crucial if this would have happened maybe in the midst of the pandemic for sure. And so I think, you know, the timing of it is not quite in their favor. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's it's now all these companies are shifting away from the West coast. Yeah. And one of the things I talked about earlier, what did I say? Phoenix Mm -hmm. having some, and, and they're up in terms of tender volumes, right. In terms of market share growth, they've grown way faster than many other markets in the United States. I think about a 21% gain in total market share value of outbound tender volumes over the last year. Uh, I think Houston's right around 9%. Ontario is down about 8% year over year. So people are shifting their volume in inland. And, you know, yeah, a lot of that freight still comes in through the ports there. But companies are finding ways around California. Mm. They need to be mindful of that at this point because that's what, they, they were forced to do during the pandemic era. And real quick, Zach, uh, does tonnage matter? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Can we please stop talking about tonnage? I, I get it. It's easy to understand and relate to, but tonnage in the terms of freight, uh, you know, and this is in reference to the last story before we get to Dr. Z here. Um, Old Dominion reported tonnage was down 14.4% year over year in May. I. <laughs> like, you know, yes, their, their business volumes are down and freight volumes are down. It is reflective of that. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that in terms of that at no point in my tenure as an LTL pricing uh, manager, financial analyst, did I think weight was a good reflection of our business. Mm. Um, it, it by itself is meaningless. If we had a big customer come in with low density freight, that would affect our tonnage. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you're doing well if you have a lot of weight. This is an old railroad freight mentality that we're stuck in because historically the data just supports tonnage. Um, so it's like going up to a marathon race, telling that everyone how much you bench and no one really cares. Exactly. Like it's, right. it's, it is something, but it's not everything is all I'm saying. Okay. And, and we need to quit over. I think we overvalue it as an indicator of actual freight volume and freight flow in the United States. Makes a lot of sense. So let's get on to the the meat of the show today, and that's bringing on Doctor Zach Rogers. Now, I want to I want to set the table for him here. Todd Maiden, 
brings out this article. He reports on the LMI every month, uh, every release, and it says transportation prices fall at fastest ever pace in May. And Dr. Rogers, can you, can you, first of all, thank you for coming on this week. I feel like it's Christmas in June uh, <laughs> that we get you uh, again, uh, I guess just over a month ago we had you too. But uh, second of all, can you help us Add, add some context here to what this headline really is. Is this clickbaiting or are we in a, are we seriously in a transportation price uh, contraction state that is significant? <laughs> I can't. Oh, I think we're having some audio, audio issues, issues potentially. Are you muted? Are you on mute? I feel like I say that. Oh, okay. I have to say that to myself all the That's time. Am I on mute? <laughs> Half the time, I, I wish I could mute myself. <laughs> yeah. While he's getting the audio. <laughs> the thing? Here we go. We're on. That not now you can hear yeah, me. Yeah, we hear you. All right, there we go. There we go. All right. Joys okay. of TV. <laughs> well, first off, there's no clickbait at the LMI. We're all about integrity. Uh, <laughs> second thing, um, the, the second thing is yes, we we are in 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 a freight recession, which is something we've been saying uh, uh, for a while. Now it's it's an interesting freight recession because for certain things we we still have movement. Um, and and, and really what what I think we're seeing right now is a culmination of everything that's happened over the last couple of years. Um, you know, we had that huge bubble of inventory that has now been pretty well worse down. Uh, we actually had inventory levels read in at 49.5, which uh, for, for everyone who, who doesn't remember, any number under 50 means contraction, over 50 means growth. And so inventories were 49 and a half. For, and that's the first time we've had a negative number uh, since I believe February of, of 2020. So right before the kind of COVID boom happened, that's the last time we had a, a negative number. And it's interesting though, because that was really driven by upstream respondents. So our upstream respondents would be manufacturers, wholesalers, more really folks that, that exist in the B2B world than in the B2C world. Um, and so in all things like furniture and construction equipment, big heavy stuff, and they had a, a number of 46 last month downstream. These would be retailers. These would be like Target, Walmart, uh, 54 and a half. And so we're seeing a real divergence now. And we've been seeing this for a while, but, but it's getting a little wider. A real divergence in what kind of companies are stocking up inventory and which ones aren't. And in this case, it actually looks like tonnage does matter. A little bit because we're seeing the big bulky stuff, furniture, uh, you know, expensive electronics, um, appliances, home building materials. All that stuff is tied to interest rates and interest rates have been such a moving target that we really don't see much movement uh, for our, our upstream folks. We are still seeing it downstream, but because all that stuff soaks up so much capacity because the stuff that's being moved upstream tends to be frankly bigger than the things that are being moved downstream. We have a lot of idle capacity. And so this capacity is causing, uh, and, and, and this idle capacity has happened right as we built up so much capacity over the last couple of years. And so we have this combination of the big stuff's not moving that quickly. And we have more trucks than we maybe know what to do with, maybe more than we should have. Um, and so that all those have combined to drive prices down to, uh, to 27 on top of that, and Zach, you've been banging this drum for a while, a lot of the contracts that were signed uh, a year ago are gone. 
And so we don't have the sort of buffer of, of maybe higher contracted freight rates that we did through a lot of last year. And so now we're seeing the real true freight market. Uh, and that's how you get a number like like 27.3. And Zach, this seems like there's just like no shortage of things to talk about, especially in this LMI release course talking about transportation prices the overwhelming number of of capacity that's still on the road and then even uh further we're talking about potential variables around oil and opec plus can you tell us a little bit about what we could maybe expect from that area sure so you know the cost of of diesel is down tremendously uh over the last year and Saudi Arabia hates that. Uh, they, they, they like it when it's nice and high. <laughs> and so it, it does look like OPEC plus, uh, I think they're cutting another million barrels. And, it, and it's funny, when you add up all the cuts since uh, last October, it's, it's me four and a half million barrels have, have been cut. And it doesn't seem, though, like that's having a huge impact. Um, you know, we look at our, our future predictions for transportation prices and they're in the high 40s, you know, where it's going to be, I think, take a long time uh, for for transportation prices to go up again because of all that that excess capacity. You know, even if if oil gets a little more expensive, we've really kind of diversified away uh, and and changed the way that 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 be because, well, let me say it this way, because of the decrease in freight traffic, increase in oil is not going to have increasing oil prices is not going to have the same impacts that they did a year ago when one, the market was spooked because of Russia and, and two people were spending a lot more money in general, but because of what's happened with inflation, the cost of, of, of driving your car has actually gone down a bit because people are spending less money on goods. And because we're spending less money on goods, there's less trucks on the road. And so it's this weird, this weird thing where I don't think it's going to make gas prices increase too much because of all the spending that's happening with with services and there is some reduction now you know most people aren't making one hundred ninety seven thousand dollars like the dock workers in, in oakland are. and and so you know spending on goods continues to sort of just eke along now that could change we did see big imports of backpacks and notebooks and lunchboxes. you guys actually had a great article about that last week uh, about how you know all the back to school stuff is like the same level that it was uh, you know a few years ago, um, and you would anticipate, and we're hearing anecdotally, we are going to restock for the holidays. You know, we we worked through all of our inventory. We are going to restock. We will have seasonality again. And really, what I think it is now is we're all just waiting for September to see if that comes true or not. Yeah, I mean. The diesel price thing has almost become like because there was so much buffer in there uh, yeah. from the capacity tightening that you could almost not even see it. Uh, I, I think we're still I think I totally agree that we're we're still a ways away from diesel prices actually having a meaningful impact on freight rates again. Uh, not that they're not there. It's just you can't see their movements as much. Um, and then the return of seasonality. So on that note, you know, a lot of people obviously you know, you just talked about inventory and how that's gotten down. Are, you know, there is a future outlook component to the LMI when you do this survey. Has any sentiment changed uh, meaningfully over what transportation transportation prices may do here in the future? Yeah. So, you know, the, the current number we had for transportation was 27.3. The future number is 47 and a half. So it's 20 points higher. Now, what that, what that really means is sort of no 
no change. I mean, 47 and a half is, is slight contraction, but it's, it's not that meaningful. It's not statistically uh, significantly different from 50. And so really what that means, is that it seems like folks think, OK, we're, we got it. This this has to be the bottom now. Now we, we got to be close to it. And uh, and you really see that because we, we split it between uh, between our upstream and our our downstream folks. And and it's interesting. Downstream is actually came in at an even 50 for their future predictions. Downstream is like this is kind of where we are. Upstream is a little more negative, uh, and that's because they're anticipating uh, a little bit uh, of. Uh, How did we lose him? What a cliffhanger! Oh no, the internet! What a cliffhanger! <laughs> I mean, well, hopefully we'll get him back here in the next few. I want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, that is that is harsh. Yeah, uh, that is harsh. But I think it's interesting that people are talking about, uh, you know, his upstream survey basically asked like what do you where do you think transportation prices are going to be a 47 obviously a contractionary state but it's not significant like it means that they view and i i absolutely think this is realistic that prices have hit as close like really close to a floor yeah um now the contract market a little different story but overall like spot rates i think we're we're really close to a bottom end uh there because Everything's below cost now. They're below. They're below break even. Um, so what that means is there's going to be a lot more gravity to pull those rates up over time, which is going to create a little bit more stickiness mm. in the rates. And I think to think that we're going to, you know, maybe we're not on a rate floor per se, but to say that things are going to slow down <laughs> in terms of their decline, I think is a pretty valid statement. Yeah, and then I, I like the part around the upstream activity because I think this is also backed by, of course, you look at the ISM PMI. You see that's in contraction still. Looking at the new orders, the backlogs also coming down. But then you also look at the regional manufacturing indices. You're talking about like the Philly Fed Index, the Empire State Index, Kansas City, all these other ones that are either in contraction or hovering right around that is showing that there are no real expectations for future activity or that current business conditions are deteriorating and so really looking upstream i'm not seeing any really big catalyst right now for that industrial sector and really would expect there to be a i would think a manufacturing-esque recession mm -hmm. uh in the latter half of this year when you're looking at you know things like industrial production there are going to be those i think volatile segments that might prop it up a little bit like defense spending looking at um, defense aircraft or, or government spending, things like that. But other than that, I can't see many catalysts besides like government spending on maybe some black swan events or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a lot of me wonders a lot about how much of our economic activity right now is really just this fallout as we're kind of retracting. I mean, consumers have more money than they did before the pandemic, or they, they did because they got this windfall of cash, then they had their wage increases, which has been going on the jobs market. Yes, it's getting, you know, worse, but historically, like we said before, still pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, but we're also seeing this increase of payment on the credit card, meaning they're not as in good a position as they may nominally think they are. Right. And now it's summer and we're seeing demand kind of stay sticky and on the floor. And yet there's all these things that point to this future of things not being as good on the durable goods side. Yeah. And, you know, some of it's masked by services and, and the growth there, and especially while we're in the summer seasonal stuff. 
uh, it may be masking some of this future state. Zach Rogers was talking about the school supplies. Is that going to be a big boost to freight sure. volumes? I mean, I think right now we're already ordering some of that stuff, you know, and trying to get it into position. I don't know, you know, I think to your point, manufacturing is probably the best place to look for any sustained growth in the in the freight market right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's still backlogs for some construction aspects. So manufacturing construction, there are some shoes there for some opportunities, especially flatbeds, but really we're looking at backlogs for, you know, the ISMPMI contraction. We're looking at defense spending. It had a nice bump up, but you can't count on that. You got to lock in those contracts when you can. But well, we need the investment to come back. Yeah, need investment. And of course, no one's going to invest if they think that, you know what, maybe I can get a better interest rate if I just hold out. And that's going to fuel the jobs market. It's going to fuel all these other things, the service sector. All of it will grow if that investment sentiment comes back. Yeah, that's right. And then we also had a time of wild valuations. <laughs> also, uh, the other big thing is even if you're hiring and job numbers are somewhat healthy, what's the productivity look like? And yeah. I don't, the productivity is not where it used to be. Measures productivity. Yeah, you're right. Filling out a spreadsheet. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) thank you, of course, for tuning in. Hopefully we get some of that missing piece from Zach Rogers. There's a cliffhanger right there. He did leave us on a cliffhanger, but uh, it looks like things are continuing to continue. (laughs) Uh, We're seeing all sorts of mixed signals. Drink more water. I mean, if you want to. Yeah, I'm the one that drinks the water on the show. (laughs) I don't. Have a great week.